No, it's not. We don't do Christmas. As, not we as, absolutely no, chuffing do do Christmas. Not, Thank you, please, and very to you. We're not doing Christmas as part of the podcast. We're not doing special Christmas episodes. Unless I, I mean, mentioned my favourite season, Christmas. Yes, it is a season. <laughs> no, it's not a season. Yes, it is. Christmas is a season. It starts at the end of October. It includes bonfire night. Oh, that's a, that's a pre-Christmas loosener. <laughs> pre-Christmas shenanigans and then Christmas ends abruptly on the 1st of January because then by then I have officially had enough of it right but up to like everything else everything in between when you say you've had enough of it that lasts until about March time yeah it does and I get my Christmas book out and go and start planning again yeah. I'm a bit of a Christmas holic. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote and this is Consistently Eccentric, a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history, focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with this story begins in the Georgian era. Georgian. I'm back writing again. Fantastic. Era. Your three words. Mm-hmm. That will help, hopefully. <laughs> we'll wait and see. Jury's out. Go on. Lion. Lion, my favourite big cat. Go on. Godmother. Godmother. I am one of those. Newspaper. Newspaper. Mm. Although I'm not going to tell you which newspaper just yet. As long as it's not the Daily Mail, we're all right. You're all right. All right. Okay. So, Maharaja Ranjit Singh was a legitimate badass. He Brilliant. Beat, he beat smallpox as a child, uh-huh. though it did leave him blind in one eye. Okay. Did so he, he wear was, a patch? No, no. Oh. His, his eye didn't go, and he didn't have a glass eye. It just, he lost the vision in it. So he kept the eye. It just wasn't, it wasn't usable. But this was the last time that he showed any level of weakness in his life. Okay. He fought in his first battle at the age of 10. No. Yep. Just a baby. Well, it's okay, because he did have parental supervision. So he fought alongside oh, his well, father. That's all right then, Who took it? him to battle. At the age of 10. <laughs> at 10. Uh, but after his dad died, he was able to really let loose, because up until then, he'd had to sort of fight following his dad's instruction. Oh, my goodness. Um And he specifically let loose on the Afghans, who'd been trying to invade the Punjab, for decades. Oh, so he lived in the Punjab. I'm going to write that down. Punjab. Yes. Um, which, as you can imagine, shares a border with Afghanistan. Yep. Otherwise, it'd be really weird if the Afghans were there. Um, he was able to expel all of the invaders in short order. This was still in his teens. Mm-hmm. Earning himself the title Lion of the Punjab. <gasps> Lion! Yeah. And not just Lion, Maharaja of the Punjab, because he took over from his dad. Maharaja. Mm-hmm. I can't spell that. Uh, yes. Ma- give it Give it phonetically, possibly, is the only way you're going to get through this. <clears throat> there are going to be some spellings here that you may find difficult. Okay. I'll pre-warn you, okay? <laughs> so, the first thing he did was to create a new government for the Punjab. Okay. And he included not just representatives from his own Sikh religion, mm-hmm. but also Muslims, Hindus, and even some Europeans. He wanted the best government that he could get for the region, and he didn't care where you came from, so long as you had the skills and the knowledge that you could 
How forward thinking? Well, as you can imagine, reforms, modernization, yeah, general prosperity all ensued. Wow. He's pretty great. There is a caveat that he also was quite militaristic. He built up the army as well. Uh-huh. Um and some people would say that there were some quite draconian laws that he brought in, but mm. in general, if you look at the sweep of history, yeah. This was quite a forward-thinking guy. This was mm. quite a an open guy to, to what the rest of the world had to offer. And the Punjab benefited massively as a result. Brilliant. One of the reasons he might have wanted to, you know, beef up the army a bit was the British East India Company. Oh, there they been, are. Mm. They've been busy sort of assisting other regions of India um, by coming in and, and taking over that pesky governance kind of mm. side of things mm-hmm. and saying we'll, we'll do that um on your behalf uh and the british east india company saw all of the prosperity and the wealth of the punjab from across the border i bet they flipping did and they were licking their lips again we're not coming out great here mm. are we well unfortunately for these businessmen ranjit singh was a very strong and very competent leader who forced the brits to treat him as an equal in all trade negotiations. Outstanding. Yeah. And it looked for all the world like the Punjab would remain an independent state. Mm-hmm. Despite all of the influence that Britain was spreading throughout the continent. Yep. Then, Ranjit Singh died in 1839. Possibly, although this... I couldn't get confirmation of liver disease because oh. he liked to fight hard and he liked to party hard. Oh, is he, he a party hearty? Oh, no. He would celebrate his I many victories and achievements. Mind you, though, if you are that successful, it's work hard, play hard, isn't it? I mean, you it, see it, it all the way through history. It's everywhere, isn't it? His body was burned, as is tradition. As is tradition. Uh, along with four of his 20 wives and seven, Were of, they his, dead? seven of his concubines. Were they dead? Or did he kill them? They were not dead, but no. they, they were also not executed. Instead, they chose to commit sooty, which was uh, an ancient practice in the area where they would, in their grief, climb upon the funeral pyre. So oh, he was burned and God. 11 women willingly chose to be burned with him. Such was the sexual allure he had even in death. Mm. I mean, there is a massive understanding, of course, that different religions do things differently. Mm. Historically and now, and that's all fine. Mm. If you died, I don't think I'd climb on a fire. I'm just going to put it out there. (laughs) It's like, yeah, the, the love's there, but is it climbing on a fire? It's not, a cla- it's not a climbing on a... It's not a self-immolation kind <laughs> no, of love. No. I can I can live with that. Can you live I with think, that? I Is that I okay? I that. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm confident enough and secure enough in our relationship that I would not posthumously feel that that was a slight. Okay, good We're okay. Stuff. So, but the important thing is, regardless of how many women decided mm-hmm. that they couldn't live without him, he was gone. Oh. And the Punjab needed a successor. Needed someone to take over from the lion keep them on that strong 
steady course. Would it have been any of his wives? Probably not. Not in the time. In well, the first successor is it? was a bloke called Cher Singh. <clears throat> and okay. he... Cher as in... If I could turn back time. Uh, but spelt with an S. Okay. Cher Singh. He, like Ranjit, loved, loved the party lifestyle. Party hearty. But, unlike the line of the Punjab, mm. he wasn't backing it up with any successes. Oh, he was, was just oh, partying. God. Was he and just... he was spending money left, right, and centre. Yeah, but this is the Georgian area. Area? Area? Let's just put my teeth back in and re-say that one. Georgian era, Mm. we had Prince George, didn't we? Yes. Mm. No, no, this is not a sort of pot calling kettle black. This is just a statement of fact that he was spending a lot of money. And he spent so much of the money that the Punjab had that he didn't quite have enough left over to pay for essential things like, say, the wages of the massive army that they oh had. Oh, my God. What the <clears> hell was he spending it on? Oh, he was spending it on wine, women and song. He was spending Golden it on all shoes. the great things. I mean, what was he buying? <laughs> well, you know what it's like. If, if somebody gives you what seems to be unlimited funds... Yeah. You're going to test that theory. And he tested it very much to breaking point. To the max, yeah. Okay. As did Prince George. Within two years, though, Shersing had been murdered by his cousin. Presumably in a desperate attempt to stave off a military coup. And he was replaced with the son of Ranjit Singh's youngest widow, a lady by the name of Jind Kaur. So, when I say the son of, uh, Duleep Singh was only five when he was made Maharaja, mm-hmm. which was, as you can imagine, too young to rule outright. I mean, he's still five years away from his first battle. Of course. So I he, mean, you're going to have to rule in his stead for at least half a decade before I mean, you that, can start giving him the power. I am not being funny. That is like giving Eve's... <laughs> the yeah. key to a country yeah. and we saying... We have a five-year-old. We have a five-year-old. That is terrifying. Yeah. Well, no, no, because... They were smart enough. They didn't give him power. They, he's the figurehead, and he will grow into his power. But even figurehead, <clears throat> I mean, could okay. you imagine? I want the fanciest crown. Well, you can't. All the money's been spent. We've established this. Uh, but there would still be stuff, right? Oh, there'd be stuff. I mean, he lived in luxury. Yeah. You know, he he was living this in is what palaces. I mean. He was being. I mean, have you seen a five-year-old with a dressing up box? I mean, good God! I'm sure Dulip Singh had amazing dressing up equipment, yeah. and clothes, and yeah. all the accessories. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they decided that somebody was going to have to support him, sort of mentor him. Yeah. So they appointed a vizier. A grand vizier. Well, like Jafar. Well, a vizier. I don't know how grand they were. And we'll, we'll learn how grand they were. It was a little beard. And it, they weren't parrot. quite the Machiavellian sort of genius that Jafar is pointed oh. out to be. So the first vizier, Hera Singh... Uh-huh. There's a lot of sings in this, as you can imagine. Uh, of course. Uh, quickly decided, Oof, this is actually quite a bit of pressure. <clears throat> I'm not sure I'm up to this. Uh, and he decided to grab as much of the treasury as he could and skip town. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, he was going to fill his boots. He bottled it. He he completely bottled it. Amazing. Um, he was killed before he could get away. I uh, bet he was. And, <laughs> I mean, the crown jewels and bits and pieces knocking around the castle, you can't exactly stuff that up your jumper and leg it, could I you? I like to think that's how he did it. <laughs> Bag, 
swag. Yeah. One of those where he's running and they just followed the trail of coins. Yeah. Found no, him no, lugging it too, away. I, all I can see, see now is ducktails. Yeah, it's a bit like, yeah, he just grabbed as much of the money bin as he could and mm-hmm. he was off. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the money was recovered. I quite like this in the in the commentary I read that most, they they recovered most of it. Because if you're the person who's just killed him and you're like, people are going to be really happy with me and... Yeah, I managed to yeah, get most yeah. of it. I got I got most of it. I don't know where some of it went. Incidentally, have you seen my new grill? It's not in my pockets, is mm. But it's okay. You know, they weren't used to having sort of people ruling uh-huh. instead of the Maharaja. So you give them one. Okay. So the next vizier was Jin Kerr's brother. So it was Duleep's uncle. So they thought familial. Mm-hmm. This isn't someone who's going to try and skip town at the first sign of danger. Or is he? Oh, no, no, no. He he needs to keep it in the family. He's He's got a strong reason to try and keep the Punjab together, to try and get everything sorted out so that he can then be the trusted advisor to the new Maharaja. Okay. Is he Jafar? No. Okay. None of these people are smart enough to be Jafar. <laughs> okay, that's very disappointing. Yeah, well, he decided... Um, this second vizier, yeah. uh, that he would try and shore up the position of his young nephew by organising to have some political rivals assassinated. Okay. So he's going to try and consolidate power by killing people. Also and he succeeded. Wages. Okay. He succeeded. He had a number of people killed. But yeah. as serial killers throughout the world and throughout time have learnt, the killing's the easy bit. It's the cover-up... It's the cover-up and the disposing. ...that causes trouble. And he was yeah. not as successful in his cover-up. He was arrested by the army, and they decided that they were going to kill him. And in order right. to send a very clear message as to who was really in power at the time, mm-hmm. they decided that they'd invite Jin Kerr mm. and the young Maharaja oh. down to watch. So he watched Ooh. as his uncle, his uncle. was torn apart basically wow mm. that's <clears throat> something for a five-year-old to see isn't it oh he would have been seven at this point so oh, he's seven. fine yeah. seven i mean move aside you've got it you've got to learn sometime <laughs> you know so the punjab yeah. in the matter of a few years mm-hmm. has gone from being a strong well-run independent state yeah to a very chaotic place with yeah. lots of infighting, suddenly a lot less wealth. Um, yeah. And the army and the government not quite seeing eye to eye. I mean, all I'm, the time. I'm sensing shambles, to be fair. I mean, this, this bloke here, I haven't written his name down, Line of the Punjab on my notes. Yeah. I mean, Ranjit Singh. Ranjit Singh. He, he left, my goodness, what did he leave? He left everything. He left the money, he left the army, he left the. The strong, stable the, state. The stable, the structure, the the power. The, he left all of that and what, in a matter of... I mean, what are we talking here? Three years. Three years, complete shambles. Yes. And do you know who else thought it had turned into a complete shambles? Do tell. Well, it would be the British East India Company. Oh. Because mm. <laughs> they, they were watching all of this... I bet we were. <clears throat> and they were using it as an excuse to station more and more men on the border with the Punjab. Mm. They were saying that they needed to protect their territory from the increasingly unruly Punjab army. 
No, I'm saying um, we we spotted a chink in the armor. No, they and didn't. We just they didn't want to. That this was purely defense. Although defense of what? The, their own interests in India. They were yeah. They their own defense of their own interests. They weren't crossing the border into the Punjab. They were just putting all of the men right on that border. Oh right, okay. And saying. We don't want to have to move in. Yeah, that's like waving your arm around with a sword at the end of it and just going, if you get stabbed, it's your own fault. Uh, but I'm just going to stand here and wave Very it. reserved. They said they don't want to go in, but they also added the caveat. Looks, though, like war's going to be inevitable sooner or later. I mean, look at them. They're, they're murdering viziers, this army over here. They're... They've, they've got out of control. Is, though, to be fair, however, I don't. I don't agree with a seven-year-old watching mm. his uncle being torn to shreds. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not on, is it? Mm. And they were right. There would be war sooner or later, and it turned out it was sooner, because by 1846 the war had been fought. It was all done. Was that it? Uh, and won by the British East India Company. Oh gosh! And the Treaty of Bidgraval, which I'm going to go with. I think you need to make a small apology for your pronunciation. It is notoriously bad, even on English words. <laughs> even on my own name. Even on your own name, yes. your pronunciation is awful. So I think I'm going to go with Bygraval. It was a treaty that was being signed. Okay. Okay. And this will give Britain control of the Punjab, occurring this only seven years after the death of Ranjit Singh. So within seven, seven years. years they appointed a toddler to do the job of a man. Mm. They killed two viziers and everything went to shit. And they lost a war. And they lost a war to mm. England. Uh, another Anglo-Sikh war happened quite soon afterwards, as mm -hmm. you can imagine. Uh, and this led to a formal annexation. Uh, that only took an extra three years. So they went from Ten signing years. a treaty to um, being formally annexed in three years. Oh, wow. And wow. the Punjab was then part of the British holdings oh. in the Indian subcontinent. Is that how we did it? Yeah, pretty much. And the issue started there. Mm. And the issue started there. Young Duleep Singh mm -hmm. was completely alone by this point. His mother had been exiled and he had been taken in, or kidnapped, as we would now call it. Yeah. Uh by the British. Right. Uh, because we were seeking to anglicise him. He was I still mean, by rights the Maharaja. Have, we don't have any good qualities in history, really, do we? We have very few. Essentially, we went round the world. Uh, this is... We stole, we fought, we spotted weakness. No, no, no. We this, took... this isn't the British and now Empire. We're trying this is to the British rip. East India Company. This is a company. This... This is a corporation doing this. Yeah, but it's part of England, though, isn't it? It's British. Yes, it's got the name British in it, but this was basically a corporation who decided that they were going to make as much money as possible. Oh, this is just horrendous. They were eventually replaced. This is not the time of the Raj. That happens after the Indians got really, really annoyed and had an uprising, which, given this, is very interesting. You know, it's interesting it didn't happen sooner, but at this point... Queen Victoria didn't really have any say in any of this. This was a private company going about doing private stuff. But I thought you said it was Georgian. It says Georgian on my yeah, book. Yeah, it starts in the Georgian era. Oh, does it breathe? Let me just write that down. It it moves through. Victorian. Look. 
I need to get this right, we'll Joe. Get I know to it. You're not in the Victorian about, era yet. I, need, I know naff all about history, so I'm, I'm okay. trying to learn here, Joe. So, young Dulip Singh yeah. has been kidnapped by the British. Yeah. Um, and in order to anglicise him, he was kept away from all other Indians. Uh, and, That'll do it. And converted to Christianity in 1853. So we are in the Victorian era. Everything. Everything about this story is beginning to piss mm. me off now. The following year, Duleep was sent to live in exile in England. So he's still he was still the Maharaja. They were going to leave him his title, but he was going to have to live in exile in England. He was awarded a pension by Queen Victoria, and he lived the life of a country gentleman. So what they tried to do was basically take him away from his own culture. Yeah, they show ripped him. him. Let's just say exactly how it is. They took it. They took over the Punjab. Yep. They ripped somebody from their culture and everything that they love mm. and everything that they know, and they stick him in a suit mm. and they send him to England and say, "Right, this is how you live now." What a load of shit! At first, he quite liked it. He was um, getting right into it. He was lived in Scotland for a time. Does he really say enjoyed he liked it. it. Yeah. He he actually enjoyed it uh, because basically he was living a life of amazing privilege. He well, just didn't have actually, any actual by the power. Time, by the time he was in power in the Punjab, all mm. the wealth and that had been taken mm. away anyway. He he was living in country houses. He was apparently the fourth best shot in England amazing. when it came to hunting. So he's loving that. He was a member of the newfangled Royal Photographic Society and he was even... A member of the Freemasons. Oh, no. Which is quite forward thinking for the Freemasons. It, it is, but I mean, hunting and the Freemasons. Mm. I mean, come on now. Yeah, he was getting very, very British nobility. Very quick. They were, they were hoping that this life of privilege Shooting would mask mistakes. everything that he'd lost. Uh, Duleep Singh was only permitted to visit India twice in his life, and he died at only 55 in Paris in 1893 after abandoning his family to finally try and reclaim his birthright. He had tried to travel back to India in secret with his family mm -hmm. and they'd been captured and arrested and brought back. So over time, he realised what had been taken from him yeah. and he tried to start making moves to get it back. Oh, that's really he sad. He converted back to Sikhism that's from so Christianity. Sad. That's so sad. I mean, that was inevitable. Yeah. Really. He was the last Maharaja. Hmm. But... He was not the last sing, for he had produced lots of kids. Mm -hmm. Eight, in fact, to two wives. One in particular, though, that we want to focus on, Sophia Duleep Singh, who was born by his first wife, a German-African named Bamba Muller. So there is a mix of cultures. Germanic, North African, Punjab, all together. To make a British socialite. Amazing. Isn't it just? I mean, the culture there. She was honoured, Sophia, by being able to count Queen Victoria herself as her godmother. Godmother! Victoria took a very keen interest in Sophia. Mm -hmm. And when her mother died of typhoid, when Sophia was 10. Oh, it's 10 is the yeah. magic number. Yes. Well, unfortunately, the mum. Bamba, she caught the disease from Sophia while nursing Sophia back to health. Oh, no. So, 
it's you know that's that's got to leave some psychological damage that is definitely psychologically scarring mm. oh no um well queen victoria didn't want to see her without a, a mother figure and you know what mm-hmm. queen victoria was like with um, younger females that she took a t- shine to. Absolutely. She was very, very involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, she took charge of a schooling, granted her a grace and favour house to live in at Hampton Court Palace. Oh, wow. She lived in a cottage within the grounds. Uh, and even hosted her coming out at Buckingham Palace. And that just oh. meant she was of an age to party. It didn't mean that she was a lesbian. No, no, that wasn't that. Was it what they call them? Strictly come down to no I didn't mean it to sound like that no what are they called debutantes debutante balls yes debutantes only I believe unlike the American South they were more than 12 when this happened no but we have British debutantes I watched a programme on the BBC yeah and what age are they about 16 yeah yeah see that's slightly better slightly better Uh, so after spending her childhood living in a mad world yeah. That mixed English country homes with luxury Indian furnishings and a menagerie of wild animals because they were allowed to bring over Indian animals. I'm loving this. Oh including goodness. all of the big ones that you wouldn't <gasps> expect to get across. So you're no. looking at the big cats coming over. No. Yes. But apparently keeping the parrots alive in Scotland proved very tricky. And like the grounds the grounds were constantly littered with dead yet bejeweled parrots. Oh. As they tried and failed to get these things going. Oh, that's really going. sad. Uh, yeah, she then became a darling of the social scene in London oh, because wow. everyone knew who she was. She was easily recognisable, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, mm. based on her heritage. Um, the royal family felt they'd done it. Dooley, he tried to go back, mm-hmm. but his kids, they were fully British. Well, they, they, had been, though, they, they had been indoctrinated into yeah, British values. Okay, they'd been forced into British values but they're well, not no their dad, their dad had been fo- a bit their dad had been forced they had grown up knowing nothing different they'd grown up in this wild world no where... I know but they hadn't been I mean heritage runs in my thoughts heritage runs a bit a bit deeper than that and just yeah. one generation removed hmm. but it's, it, no the British royals thought they'd done it definitely because they thought they could finally relax their watch on these these kids. Okay. Because obviously, you know, they'd had to step in and arrest them mm-hmm. um, when their father tried to take them back to India. But now they're like, no, she seems happy with her lot. She's enjoying the party lifestyle. She's enjoying having all of this privilege. Mm-hmm. She's fine. She's not. She's the perfect socialite. She's like Paris Hilton. Is she? She loves it. She's totally into that world. You know... The biggest controversies she got into during her 20s were that she once rode a bicycle, very daring thing for a woman to do in Victorian Britain, and she had the audacity, the sheer nerve to beat the royal family at a dog show with her purebred Pomeranians, because she was a bit of a a dog fancier. She liked breeding the dogs. This reduced oversight, though proved to be a miscalculation on behalf of the royals. I'd like to think so. Mm. Sophia used her increased freedom to plan a secret trip to India Brilliant. with her sister. Aww. To be fair, though, her reason for wanting to go was to attend a party. Sophia wanted to attend the Delhi Durbar, which was a two-week extravagant celebration of the coronation of King Edward Seventh. Sophia was sure that as the princess of the Punjab, 
she would be welcomed, given pride of place. Mm -hmm. And this was an amazing event. It started with a parade of all of the nobles, a hundred Indian princes on elephants. Wow. Parading. (gasps) They had to build a city, essentially, just outside of Delhi Mm -hmm. that had its own railway. It had its own post office. It had its own police force. This was all just for these two weeks of celebrations. It had art exhibits. I mean, no wonder she wanted to go. Gymnastic events. It (gasps) had football. It had lots of galas and balls and all the opulence. All the things. She was sure, you know, she... She was had been told she was a princess of this country. Well, of course, she, I mean she was popular. She was popular back in England. Britain. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. sure. Okay, one one little question. Mm. You said coronation. Yep. Of Edward. Yep. The seventh. Yep. In the Punjab, as Emperor of India, we didn't give um, we didn't we didn't give India its independence until 1947. So there were actually three separate um, coronations for the empress or emperor of the Punjab that happened. So, so who's Edward Seventh? King of England? After well, I thought Victoria? You said it, after the Victoria. Victoria has died. Oh, well, you didn't say that. Right. Well, I thought coronation, it would be quite obvious. Well, I don't know these things, Joe. Okay, so... It could have been from a different sorry. country. So... Queen Victoria died. Died. Let me just write. <laughs> died. Sad face. Sad face. Yeah, okay. Queen Victoria died, and they needed a new person to run everything. Okay. And that Edward Seven. Yeah. So this, Smiley I mean, face. this was a party that was so big they'd taken over a year to plan it. So he'd actually been king of England for over a year. Okay. But they'd wanted to make this just right. As it happens, Edward didn't turn up. He sent his brother, which is a bit of a slap in the face, but there you go. As if he wouldn't want to go. I want to go and see the I elephants know, I think he, the I think he missed out. I think he totally missed out. No, no, he, he would have been expected to ride on one of the elephants. In a little seat. Yeah, and then he gets presented and loads of gifts were given to him. Well, it was given to his brother and everyone came to do homage to what him. What called those? Howders. Howder, that's it. Yeah. So... Anyway, Sophia, she definitely wanted to go. She wanted to be pride of place. Boom, I'm going to get me an elephant, I'm sure. I'm going to be invited to all these parties. Yeah. It's going to be mint. Oh, this is not going to happen. No, it? things did not go to plan. Oh, no. As she travelled in secret, Sophia was just another Indian face in the crowd. She was snubbed <gasps> by the white ruling classes and oh. instead received a very, very stark and harrowing introduction to how Indian citizens were treated under... The Raj. Oh, no. The sight of poverty and suffering to the backdrop of a costly and completely unnecessary two-week posh knobs party. So it wasn't how it was billed. Yeah. It shocked her. I mean, I, I don't know why core. I'm shocked. I don't know why I'm shocked, to be honest, because that's what we were best at in history. One of, one of the reasons that it was set up outside of Delhi was so that you could control who was getting to come and go oh, to these things. Oh, my God. Um, she became convinced, having seen this, of the people that she was told she was princess of, that she needed to use her position in England to try and address some of these inequalities. Mm -hmm. She made another trip to India a couple of years later and met with independence activists such as Gopal Krishna Gokhali and Lala Labjit Raj... uh, Sorry, Lala Lajpat Rai. 
Do you want to say that again? I don't because it's very difficult. Lala Lajpat Rai. Mm-hmm. Um, and although they inspired her, it's possible that she saw that she was too much of an outsider uh, yeah. for the cause of Indian independence. That it would, it wouldn't seem genuine from her as someone no. who'd grown up yeah. with Queen Victoria as her godmother yeah. to suddenly do this. Yeah. Um, you know, so she she got this complicated history. Mm-hmm. And it leaves her with... Well, where does she sit? Yeah, it leaves her with this burning desire to do something to, to do, address in, yeah. inequality, but yeah. realising that she's possibly too tainted to actually be helping this cause, that she'd just muddy the waters. Yeah. So... Well, how could she connect to it? Mm, she's she's left in emotional turmoil. We can imagine. Be. I mean, yeah. we're, we're completely projecting this, but she's probably wondering what... What what she should do with all of this energy that she's feeling yeah. that she she's got to to put into some cause. Mm-hmm. Luckily for her, she'd not long returned from this trip when a friend of hers suggested she might like to join the Women's Social and Political Union. Okay. Though by 1909, when this there came about, uh, most everybody was referring to the group as the Suffragettes. Aha. Mm. The Suffragette Suffragette. Well, the suffragette cause was perfect for Sophia. Firstly, it allowed her to fight against a clearly unjust system. Amazing. And secondly, the call for women's suffrage was explicitly extended by the suffragettes to include all female citizens of the empire. Of course. Including in the colonies. Yeah. Meaning the cause was also indirectly supporting the ideals yeah, of Indian yes. independence. Yes. Because you're you're promoting universal suffrage across the piece. Yeah. Sophia took time to find her feet within the movement that contained, as we know, many strong personalities. Very many, yes. She was reluctant to speak at meetings and did not seek to take on any official leadership roles despite her obvious status as being a goddamn princess. Yes. So she she was turning up to meetings, she was participating as much as anyone, but she wasn't taking any kind of leadership role in that. Mm -hmm. Then she agreed to attend a protest outside Parliament on November 18th, 1910. The suffragettes were unhappy that the Prime Minister of the time, Herbert Asquith, he'd refused to give time for a bill that would have given a million women the vote before calling a snap general election. So as part of his previous um, sort of uh, manifesto, which had gotten him elected Mm -hmm. with a small majority, Mm. um, he had promised that he would pass this bill which would allow certain women with certain property holdings if they were really nice and fulfilled a load of different criteria Mm. possibly the right to vote it still meant a million women and it was still considered a massive step by the suffragists that they got this on you know this promise from him and then he decided he needed a snap general election and that actually he couldn't wait to close parliament for another week that is what it might have taken just to to get that bill through. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, the suffragettes felt pretty pissed off by that. Well, you would. Asquith, seeing the upset and the, the genuine, you know, sort of nature of the grievances that yeah. he'd promised to do something and he hadn't, uh, he ordered that the woman should not be allowed to get anywhere near Parliament. And the women were met by mass police and essentially attacked for six straight hours in an event that would become known as Black Friday. Oh, yes. Though 115 of the suffragettes were arrested, no charges were ever brought against them. 
However, many of the women reported that they had not only been beaten, but sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Because not only were the police beating them up, but also some good upstanding yep. citizens, citizens of London thought yeah. they'd get in on that because yep. apparently you're allowed to punch, kick, grope, fondle, do whatever you wanted to these women. Molest, they were, yeah, molest their the ladies. Game. Uh, two suffered injuries so severe they later died. So it's all just good fun, as you can imagine. Sophia was appalled by the event and decided it was time to really commit to the cause. Mm-hmm. Firstly, she sold off many belongings at auction in order to provide funds to the Women's Tax Resistance League, which she also joined. Okay. They argued that taxation without representation was unlawful. Okay. So basically they said, as women, we shouldn't have to pay Pay any taxes because we are not allowed to vote on the people who will impose those taxes. Yep. Absolutely fine. Um, This was a view that was also being articulated by the Indian independence movement, Mm -hmm. saying, why, what gives you the right to tell us that we need to pay extortionate taxes to you Mm -hmm. to be taken back to a soggy little country on the other side of the world? Yep. Sophia was also raising funds by selling the suffragette newspaper on the street. Newspaper! Outside of her home. Her home, of course, as I've said before, being... Hampton Court, Court Palace. Palace. Yeah. And if you see the pictures of her, the famous picture is her stood outside the gates of Hampton Court Palace selling the newspaper from a little cart. Oh, do you know what? I absolutely love this woman. Yeah. So I really she do. She didn't even try and hide the fact that that's where she lived. She would walk out of a palace to yeah. sell a newspaper that was calling for equality, equality. women's rights. Workers' I mean, these rights. These are the people that we are missing in the world now, mm. aren't we? They're really sassy pant women. Well, when she was fined for non-payment of taxes, because she practiced what she preached, she just decided she wasn't paying taxes. Okay. Um, and I know you're saying, you know, woman of the people. She was still a princess. She was due to pay taxes because she owned two dogs, a carriage, and a servant. Wow. Yeah, you have to pay taxes on your servants. servants. I did not know that, but apparently you did. Um, Good to know. She refused to pay. Uh, And as a result, the bailiffs turned up to her home. Again, this being a royal palace, Mm -hmm. the bailiffs came round with an order to a royal palace. Could you imagine being that bailiff and like knocking on the door and like handing out your bit of paper that says like, either pay or or we'll take your stuff. This was, oh there's God. gates around Hampton Court Palace. She was living in a building within the sort of thing. Well, what are they going to do? So they'd have like... to knock on the gates and be let in by royal guards. Or so not. So they could go and They could have just them. not let them in. No, they let them in oh because um, they took a diamond ring in lieu of payment. But Sophia's friends simply bought it back and returned it to her. Oh. This was nice of them. This was all rather embarrassing for the royal family. But they were worried that having Sophia charged would make her a martyr for the suffragette cause. So they didn't want to admit that they had messed up so badly. Wow. Yeah. We never like to admit. That's that's the thing, isn't it? It's like the higher up the tree, it's just like, we just just don't admit. We just don't admit. This is fine. It never happened. happened. Mm. Cover it up. We'll just send us to Scotland or something. Yeah, just, just, I don't know. Maybe she'll be interested in universities. Shuffle her off somewhere else. We'll never speak of it again. Yeah. Don't, where, where else do we own? We own some islands somewhere. Can we send her the Virgin Islands? Get her over there. That'll do. Uh, yeah. So, essentially, 
they did the most British thing and they tried to just ignore her in the hopes that she would go away or stop it <laughs> or it was something that she needed to get out of the system and then she'd go back to being the privileged socialite yeah. that she so clearly had outgrown by this point. Yeah. Oh my God. She then talked the ante even more tried to jump in front of the Prime Minister's car with a placard <gasps> saying votes for women. The Prime Minister at this point still Asquith. Uh-huh. As in spite of Black Friday and a few other issues, he had still managed to cobble together a coalition and keep oh, power. Oh It is unlikely how far Sophia would have escalated as she was openly discussing the use of bombs. Well, they did bomb, didn't they, yeah. suffragettes, famously. And she was in on those discussions with other suffragettes at the time. But then World War One happened and turned the entire world upside down. Bombs. Yes, she didn't bomb. I need to make that very clear. No, no, I know she didn't bomb. She I'm just talking like... definitely didn't but bomb. But there was World War One in which there were bombs. Not as many. It's more artillery shells in World War One. Oh, right, okay. There were, I think, one or two Zeppelin attacks. I'm thinking more like trench bombing because they used to bomb the... and dynamite the tunnels, didn't they? Oh, well, that's dynamite. Alfred Nobel will be so happy. That's exactly what he designed it for. And Sophia, to be fair to her, she decided that this was bigger than anything else and she put her activism on hold Mm -hmm. in order to volunteer with the VAD, the Voluntary Aid Detachment. Wow. As a nurse. Specifically... What training had she had? She was just a nice person. This was before before the NHS. There was no formalised training. I know 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 it was before the NHS. Do you have a sunny disposition and can you moisten a brow? You're in. Come on. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. Specifically, though, she was set in a post looking after Indian soldiers wounded on the Western Front. Oh, well, she's back. And these soldiers were absolutely amazed and humbled when they discovered it was the granddaughter of the Lion of the Punjab himself who was tending them. Oh. Because how weird would that be? Absolutely. Well, you'd know who she was. Mm. Oh, that would be odd. Oh. But it also got her a newfound respect mm-hmm. in India. Ah, ha, ha. It's that what she, she wanted. This is what she was now. She yeah. was somebody who was totally understanding of the plight of the common man. Yes. She was somebody who wasn't just talking nice words. She was walking that walk. Yes. And she had been doing for a number of years to this point. Yeah. And after the war was won in 1918... The Representation of the People Act was passed, allowing women over the age of 30, mind. Oh, I know. Got to be a bit more mature. Because it's vote. not her, but there is in London mm. the statue. Emmeline Pankhurst? No, the other one. We'll have to Google it. Okay, well, can we do that after the episode? Hmm. It's okay. I'll edit this bit out. It'll be fine. People don't need to know. Okay. Okay. But with this victory, Sophia turned her attention to India. Mm -hmm. Organising flag days for the Indian troops to raise funds, hosting Indian soldiers and visiting dignitaries, and visiting India again to promote women's suffrage there. Though this time, her visit was greeted with crowds of well-wishers. Oh, she got what she wanted. And she was walking around with a little pin saying votes for women. Oh, I really like her. In 1928, the Equal Franchise Act was passed, allowing all women over the age of 21 to vote on par with men. And Sophia, now 52, 
continue to active uh, to advocate for women's rights as an elder statesman of the movement, both oh. in Britain and in India. She stated in 1934 that her sole interest in life was the advancement of women. Oh, isn't she just a lovely person? Mm. Sophia Duleep Singh died peacefully in her sleep on August 22nd, 1948, at the age of 72. Hopefully content that she had lived long enough to see both the end of the British Raj Mm -hmm. and the introduction of women's suffrage in India, which had occurred the previous year after independence. A woman who had managed to become an icon of civil rights in spite of being a princess who was worth over £2 million in today's money at the time of her death. Oh, Sophia wow. Duleep Singh. Oh, isn't she great? I like her. Mm. It's nice nice to hear. It's nice to do a story where it's like someone was born into amazing privilege and then did something positive with their lives rather like than... like proper bloody wow with it. Nine-tenths of our stories about people with privilege is like... I know. And then and... they exploited that mercilessly. Oh, I know. And it makes you squint. And it, it kind of just makes you do that face like you're sucking a lemon. And you're just like, oh my God, I hate them. Aren't they just atrocious? But no, this woman was brilliant. Yes. And she was eventually, I believe she had a stamp which is, as you know, the highest honour that Britain can bestow upon a of person <laughs> or character. <laughs> yep. So that happened as part of the uh, celebrations of, um, what would it have been? It would have been 100 years of women's suffrage. The 100 celebrations, she got a stamp. So she was recognised in that way. She was recognised. I've never heard of her prior to today. Mm. But I think she needs to be... You know, we were talking about um, kids' TV earlier on. Well, kids, let's just bring it back around to kids' books. Actually, we were talking about kids' books as well. Kids' books, those... Little people, big dreams. She needs to be in one of them. We'll we'll put the call out. I'm, I will. Sure. I, do you know what? I am gonna. I am going to contact the person who does that. <laughs> Just and say you need to do this woman because she's bloody brilliant. And why isn't she one already? Actually, if you want to do it authentically, what you've got to do is have that written on a placard and jump in front of the editor's car. I will make it so. Okay, because that's the thing. Yes. I mean, I'm. To be honest, it could have all ended there because it's it's a car. Yeah, we weren't talking carriage, and that poor woman again names I jumps don't in know, front of the king's racehorse, the, the, yeah. the racehorse, and she died. Oh, didn't she? But as we've spoken many times before, horses are mistrustful creatures who are only a second away from a murder spree. They are. Do you know what they 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 have? They have blood in their eyes and and they're they're just evil i'm I'm sorry i I am not a horse person at all i've never understood people who like horses give me a cow any day cows i can get along with cows have a kind of sanguine sensibility about them sheeps well people don't like goats because of the uh awkward way that the eyes are yeah but and the the associations with the devil i have cats no but goats have the slits that way don't they yeah, it doesn't bother they me. They have alternate slits. doesn't bother me. Mm. And personally, I'm a fan of a goat. I love a goat. I've got a beard. Yeah, and a wiry coat that's really wiry satisfying to pat. Curly whirly horns and mm. little hoofkins. Oh, goats. I know, goats. If there's one thing you take goats. from this episode of the podcast, it's goats. The goats. underrated farmyard animals. 
<laughs> more people need to get behind Sophia, Duleep Singh, and Goats. That's our double platform. Yes. Yes. Fizzy good. Set up. It sounds like a brazen wee, that. That's brazen. I could be doing. You could be doing a brazen wee.